Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Today on the podcast, I'm welcoming Christine Callanan. Christine is a Rochester native. She got a bachelor's degree in psychology from St. Lawrence University before pursuing her law degree at the University at Buffalo. Christine has been a career civil servant working in the district attorney's office in both Monroe and Wayne counties. Christine, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So in the interest of full disclosure, I should tell people that we are sisters. We are. That is also true. Yes. And I did not write down your bio. I just said it off the top of my head. That was very impressive. I was waiting for you to mess up for the opportunity to correct you as your sister, but you got it all right. Thank you so much. No, thank you. (laughs) So we like to start the show by asking people about something that they're into lately. It could be anything. Currently, I've really been into Pilates. That's the new thing. I used to do a lot of high interval intensity workouts, and I've really enjoyed just taking it easy and stretching and doing strength training that way. And I feel like you have become very fit doing the Pilates. I've thoroughly, yes, thoroughly enjoyed it. I've seen a difference in my body being like a lifelong athlete. I feel like strength training and cardio has always been the basis of my workouts. And doing Pilates, I've seen my muscles get longer and leaner doing it that way. And I I enjoy it and it doesn't feel so like wear and tear on my body. So you are the first assistant district attorney in Wayne County. For people that are not familiar with the legal system, maybe didn't grow up with parents who were attorneys, uh, what is a district attorney? What's your role as the first assistant district attorney? Break that down a little bit. So district attorneys and assistant district attorneys in uh, New York State are the prosecutors at the state level. So any crime committed within the state of New York, depending on the county you're in, will have a district attorney's office. So I started in Monroe County as an assistant Now I'm first assistant, which in regular terms would be like vice president. So there's a district attorney who would be president and first assistant would be vice president. So I'm basically in charge of prosecuting all of our violent felonies, homicides, uh, as well as overseeing day-to-day management of the other assistants, both in county courts as well as our town and local courts that handle a range of things from misdemeanors to felony cases, as well as just traffic tickets. Who ends up on the other end of cases that the district attorney's office picks up? Because it sounds like it sort of runs the gamut of like, you got a ticket from a cop to you you committed a murder. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We, uh, in the prosecutor's office at the district attorney's, we prosecute everything. So anything that would be a violation of the law, which includes vehicle and traffic law. So your standard speeding ticket, which is how most people ever come in contact with the criminal justice system, to petty larcenies if someone steals a candy bar from Wegmans all the way up to and including murders. So we do take... uh, the what you would consider non-serious crimes or even what wouldn't be a crime, but like a violation of the vehicle and traffic law all the way up to the most serious crimes. 
How much say do you have in what you prosecute or what level of um, sentence that you can ask for for something? I, I suppose the guy that steals the candy bar maybe has a different range of things he can be sentenced for as opposed to somebody that murders someone. Yeah, so there we run kind of, um, our office is contingent on what we can do on what police do, right? So our job is multifaceted in that we work closely with police. So charges usually don't, we don't usually charge people. It comes from a police investigation. So that would be the speeding ticket where the police officer sees you or they investigate the murder or the you know candy bar theft. On the other end of it, once they do charge it, it comes to our office. We have discretion as to uh, how we see through the prosecution uh, in different ways. We take in a lot of factors when we determine what we're going to do with a case. And then also, once there is a case, it goes to court, which then brings in defense attorneys and judges who also uh, play a role and can impact what kind of sentence or the level of prosecution a case goes through. A lot has changed in New York State in the criminal justice system in the last few years as far as what you are allowed to do with um, people who are arrested, like how long they can spend in jail um, and and things like that. How, ha- how have those rules impacted your work? So this year I celebrated 10 years of being a prosecutor, and in the last two Uh, Everything's completely changed from the discovery rules, which is how we turn over paperwork and police work, and uh, also like bail reform, which is how we are able to keep people uh, in jail if they've committed a crime um, versus them getting out. And in New York State, the rules have kind of changed to support that uh, individuals be outside of jail um, and appear in court. And the only time we really get to hold them is if they're considered a flight risk, which is very much different from how it used to be. So it impacts a lot on prosecution as to how we can proceed with cases and then also being able to ensure that defendants are there as well as keeping the public safe. So a lot of our job is trying to respect Uh, and always follow the law as we're told that it is, but then also in our best ability to protect victims and witnesses to ensure that there's a successful prosecution of the case. What kind of supports are built into a district attorney's office? So we have, like I said, we're kind of a multi-unit entity. So although we prosecute the cases, we work closely with law enforcement Uh, We also work closely with the Victim Resource Center. The Finger Lakes is huge for us. Um, We have pretrial services as well that help us um, now that defendants are out uh, of jail. They help keep contact with them to ensure that they come to court, that they're reporting weekly. Um, So we have a lot of assets just outside of our office within the community that we work with. Then inside our office, we have our own investigator to help us locate witnesses, follow up on cases, uh, do day-to-day things that we need done. Uh, We have paralegals as well as secretaries um, to help support us with all of the paperwork, especially now the voluminous amount of paperwork with discovery and that reform, as well as our own victim advocate that we have within our office to help us work with and keep in contact with victims and witnesses of crimes. You have been party to some pretty high-profile local cases. Um, 
how does that impact how you approach your job when it's something that is all over maybe the local, the national news? What does that do? When I started at uh, the DA's office in Monroe County, Mike Green was the district attorney at that time, and he always said that you would never do anything in this job that you wouldn't be able to stand in front of a news camera and say that you did and know that you were doing it properly, appropriately, and be like proud of your actions. So I've carried that throughout my career, and I take that very seriously as a prosecutor. So even when the cases are high profile and on the news, and it may require me to do appearances before or after to speak uh, to cameras or anything like that, really, the way you handle that case is the same way you handle every case as a prosecutor, which is you know that there's going to be a little more, that the courtroom might be busier, you might have more questions to answer, you might have to take phone calls, you might have to do interviews. But really, at the end of the day, your job as a prosecutor is to handle every case the same way and to never do anything as a prosecutor that would compromise your morals or your standards. And no matter what you do, you should be able to stand in front of a news camera and say, I did it for this reason, and this was what was right and fair and just. Have you ever found a situation where um, whatever was happening in the courtroom really was frustrating to you in a way that made you question um, being a prosecutor? Because I know like you sort of work in specific bounds when you're in the courtroom based on like what state law says. Has that ever happened where you're like, this is not right? It, yeah, it's really tough because we're bound by what happens in Albany by, frankly, people who have never been in the criminal justice system, who've never been prosecutors, who don't understand the day-to-day of what we do, what we see, what victims go through. And although I appreciate that most of the time they're going into it, I think, with the best of intentions, the practical application and implications of what they do, they don't see the impact on prosecution and victims and witnesses, and we're kind of left implementing it up here in, you know, upstate New York when they haven't really, what they're addressing are issues down in New York City. So that gets very frustrating the last two years in dealing with what they've changed as far as discovery and all of that paperwork has really compromised a lot of what we can do. Um, it, It puts a big imposition on my office, on law enforcement, on everyone. And the good news is we've I believe, risen to the challenge in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it does create frustration and difficulties in being able to prosecute things because it's just never the way we've done it before. And it's things that I don't think when they passed laws they necessarily saw through. But I still believe in what we do and how we do it. So it's kind of just grow and adjust is what we're left with. And at the end of the day, we have these meetings and we talk about what we can do for best practices. And it's just kind of like, you got to keep rolling with it because this is what it is. And if we want to do what's right for victims, then you just got to move forward and adjust to the new laws. You've mentioned victims a number of times and victim advocates specifically. What does that partnership look like in your office as far as supporting victims during a prosecution, especially something that's very heinous or difficult to deal with? I've been very lucky in both offices, in Monroe County as well as Wayne County, to work with great victim advocates. They're uh, essential because as a prosecutor, I think people believe our job is just to put people in jail. And that is, frankly, a big part of it when that is the appropriate thing. But what 
my job really is, is justice. That's why it's called a criminal justice system. So you want to do something that helps the victims, um, makes them have some type of closure, but they never really will have from, you know, some kind of crime, but also something that takes into account the circumstances of defendants, what they're going through, what their record is, all of those things. So our victim advocates are really great in being able to explain those things um, to our victims, get them acquainted with a system that they probably have not been involved in, didn't know, didn't choose to be involved in, and then also make available to them other resources so that they can work through if it's a financial loss, if there is um, any mental health treatment that needs to be done, any uh, additional like drug rehabilitation, anything like that that can happen with these victims. They help set up these resources and support groups. And then they also support us in being a relay of legalese and what happens in the courtroom and then translating it to our victims and our witnesses so they understand what's going on. And they have a difficult spot, too, where we have to have those tough conversations sometimes where a victim may not be completely satisfied with an outcome of a case, but we have to explain to them that it's not always sending somebody to prison for 25 years doesn't necessarily mean that that's a fair and just outcome. And so they have a very difficult job in balancing the law enforcement side as well as victim needs because they are there to advocate on behalf of the victim, but they work with us. So they're an immense resource and have always been incredibly helpful um, to me, both in Monroe and Wayne County. What other community organizations does your office partner with? So the typical ones that we work with, you know, probation, we work with our pretrial services. We have drug treatment courts and other treatment courts. They were more extensive in Monroe County just based on the need. We have drug treatment court in um, Wayne County as well as, like I said, pretrial services. So they're basically our conduit to the treatment resources like uh, FLACRA and other sources out in Wayne County to get people into treatment if it's necessary to get them mental health to help monitor it so we can get these reports back to court so we can make sure that maybe what caused the criminal behavior such as a, you know an issue with drugs or alcohol or even mental health are being addressed and that hopefully it isn't just a punishment but a rehabilitation for these people so that they don't come back that we can address the underlying issue and hopefully have them become a productive and successful member of our community. What advice would you have for someone who wants to become an attorney or wants to become a district attorney? Our mother always <laughs> said uh, when I wanted to become an attorney and people would ask why she didn't tell me not to, is that, you know, there's always room in the practice for good ones. So if you really want to do it, it's a great profession. Um, I knew I was going to be a prosecutor and I was very lucky that I got my job in Monroe County right out of law school, and I loved it. Being a prosecutor is, uh, not surprisingly, a pretty thankless job in a lot of ways. You work really hard. Um, you don't get paid a lot. But if you love it, there's nothing more fulfilling than this job. I wouldn't change the 10 years that I've had in it. I've learned so much. I think it is the greatest profession. It's so cool, the things you get to learn about DNA and fingerprints and 
guns and all these kind of things where you get to be like a mini expert in a bunch of areas. And then also that you get to help people on both sides, victims and defendants. You try to do what's just and fair. And I think if people really want to be prosecutors, it's a high burden and a high call because you really are wearing what Mike Green used to say, the white hat of justice. So you always, no matter what it was, you do the right thing. And as long as you're willing and want to do that, I welcome anyone into it. Just be ready for the fact that it's a grind. It's a lot of work. It's hard work. But the people that you meet, I mean, the people I started in Monroe County with, we still have dinner once a month and stay in touch. You know, law enforcement officers that I've worked with over my 10 years, I still have great relationships with in Wayne County and outside of the county. It's an incredible profession. And I, anyone who wants to be a prosecutor, I think if you're ready to work hard and you really want to do what's right and just, I think you should absolutely do it. Just to be clear, mom never encouraged me to be an attorney. (laughs) (laughs) I think when she had one of us that wanted to be a lawyer, she felt okay about it. She was like, we got one, the rest of you do whatever you want. Follow your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Um, usually we close out the podcast by asking people their favorite thing about Rochester. Now, if you feel like because you're in Wayne County now, you want to focus out there, that's okay. But uh, what is your favorite thing about Rochester? My favorite thing about Rochester. I love that even though it is a pretty large city for population, at least, you know, I know we're not New York City. It still feels like a small town like you can go anywhere and you'll probably know people especially if you've been here grown up here like we have our entire lives and now worked here um so i love i love that about being able to go places and always see people or just be comfortable everywhere you go because you've been there before and you're familiar with it um and my favorite thing about wayne county we always joke around now uh, when i actually drag all of my friends out is that it's god's country it's just beautiful farmland and spacious and you drive around and I get to drive to work on all of these back roads and it's just so peaceful and calm. So I do, I I am a very proud 315er, although I have not changed my phone number to 315. (laughs) It's a a big lift changing your phone number. Yeah. I mean, I've had the same one since high school. I can't let go of that. Yeah. Um, If people wanted to find out more about the Wayne County DA's office or you, are there places that we should point them to? Uh, There is the county website for the district attorney's office. So if you just go to the Wayne County general uh, website, that'll connect you right to the district attorney's uh, office. And then all of my information is there on how to get in touch with me if there are people who have questions or inquiries or anything like that. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me this evening. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The Thriving Forward podcast is brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester, and Rochester Regional Health. Our producer is Sam Palizzi. If you're looking to learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. If you know someone who should be featured on the show, email us at thrivingforwardpodcast at gmail.com. Please take a few moments to follow us on Facebook at Thriving Forward Podcast and to leave a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Your review will help new listeners find us and allow us to continue connecting you with these phenomenal stories. See you next time. 
The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.